Hi, my name is Abby. I am 25. I'm from Northeast Ohio, and I got pregnant when I was 15. Um, before I get into everything, I just wanted to give a quick disclaimer because a lot of the people that were involved in my life around this time um, are still involved in my life, and I am just going to tell my truth and tell my story. Um, and mental illness is very real and people can change. And I hope that they were able to get the help that they needed. And I'm just going to start from the beginning. Um, I want to talk a little bit about my childhood just yeah. to kind of give a little bit of a background. Um, I have five siblings. I consider myself the oldest out of all of them because... I have one older brother, but he is my half-brother on my dad's side, and I didn't really see him very much growing up because my dad wasn't really involved in his life, and I haven't actually spoken to him in about four or five years now. Um, so I grew up with my mom, and the rest of my siblings are my mom's kids. Um, I share two sisters with both parents, and I was always the oldest in my household. Um, my parents had me when they were really young my mom got pregnant with me when she was 20. she grew up in a very cult-like religious household and she had um an abusive father and so as soon as she was able to become her own person and experience what life was like out of high school she met my dad and got pregnant and married him because that's just what she thought she needed to do. Um, so my parents had me and then they had my two sisters. And when I was eight years old, my dad got a job two and a half hours away from us in downtown Columbus. And he took the job. And this was when my parents were still together. Um, we were just like, okay, he said, I'll see you every other weekend. Um, his parents, our grandparents lived right down the road from us. And he was going to come up every other weekend and see us. Um, and then very shortly after that, they sat my sisters and I down and said, we're actually separating. And I was like, oh, definitely didn't see that coming. <laughs> like, And um, so all of my friends, their parents weren't together. So I was, I didn't really, it didn't bother me, but my sisters were very upset about it. Um, and I don't know what exactly triggered this because we had just moved into a new house and they were separating but that that was a few months after i started having really bad anxiety when i was in second grade um i had a lot of life changes happen directly after it and i don't know what caused it in the moment but i Remember the day it started, I was doing the Pledge of Allegiance and I started having a panic attack, but I didn't know it was a panic attack. And I told my teacher and she was like, oh, let's take you down to the office, see if you're okay. And they're asking me what's wrong and I don't know. And I'm like, I'm, I'm shaking, I'm crying. So I just came up with something and I said, my mom is supposed to be here, come for lunch today. The parents are supposed to come and go to recess with us. And I don't know if my mom is coming. And I did know, but I just didn't know what to tell them. So they called her. She confirmed she was coming. I still didn't calm down. I was like, I don't know what's wrong with me. Um, it continued and it got worse. And I kept having panic attacks. And 
obsessing over my mom, my dad, my sisters. I wouldn't let them leave the house. I wouldn't let them hang out with their friends. I wouldn't let them go to the store. I don't know why it was happening, but that continued on and continued to get worse over the next two years. I did go to therapy a couple times, but I was like seven or eight, so I don't really remember it. Um, and then they stopped and um, it continued on until middle school. So do you think that that was just kind of like a fear of something happening to them? It was definitely because I was scared of something happening to them. The only way that I was even able to go to class um, in second, third grade was if my parents would write me letters and basically say, I'm alive, like I'm okay. Yeah. And like they would, I'd take them to school with me. And whenever I'd start to freak out, I'd pull them out of my desk and look at them. Uh, My teacher would send me to the office and I'd draw pictures of my mom with like the secretary and she'd be like, look, like she's here. She's okay. It was, I like would hide under the bed and jump out of my mom's car while she was driving me to school. I like would not leave them alone. I was very, and I, and my mom didn't never knew what triggered it because I did I I did have like my parents separated and everything happened right after that but in that moment there was nobody, nothing major that right happened. yeah um so that continued for a few years and my dad was supposed to come and see us every other weekend that was their plan after they separated and it started to turn into him not being able to see us this weekend and then it was he's not able to see us for a few weekends and then it was we went a month without seeing him and it we didn't realize it at the time but it was just my dad slowly separating himself from us um, because he did not want to have like he didn't want to have that family life and he didn't want to be a dad in that moment he he was happy living on his own um And we were very attached to him and looked up to him a lot. And so as I've gotten older, I have realized that the, some of the issues that I have now definitely stem from my dad just not being there when I thought that he was the greatest person on the planet. And my mom was the one who got blamed for everything because she refused to tell us the crappy things that my dad was doing and she never really told us what kind of person he was so we thought that my everything was my mom's fault and she just kind of put up with it so that we didn't have to know about him when i was 12 we moved to a new house in the same city um, same school district and everything but it was the summer between when i went from like elementary intermediate school age to middle school So I started middle school as soon as we moved into the new house. So after we moved to this new house, I started middle school and my mom remarried and had a baby with him. Uh, She had my brother and I did not have a good relationship with my stepdad. And it really wasn't anything against him. It was just because I was a preteen who thought my dad was the best person on the planet and he wasn't there anymore and now this guy was yeah so um i kind of was able to push my anxiety and everything into the back of my head for a while because when middle school started my brain jumped to boys and things like that and that was when i started 
a little rebellious phase. Um, I was a very good student my whole life. I was in gifted programs. I got straight A's. Like I was barely missing school. I, my sisters and I were all like that. So when I started middle school and was dealing with my mom remarrying and having a baby and moving to a new house, all of that combined made me feel like I needed to act out. And so I started sneaking out and smoking weed and hanging out with boys. And I was always very into older guys and very much needed male validation, which my mom is exactly the same. That's why she ended up marrying my dad. And then as soon as they split up, she found my stepdad and she got pregnant with my stepdad, married him because they got pregnant. And it seems that that just happened to pass on to me. So I like when I was 12 years old, I had my first kiss with my best friend's older brother and he was in high school, like 15, almost 16 years old. And I was like, this is fine. I just thought that that was what was normal. And so when I was 14, near the end of my eighth grade year, I got caught sneaking out to go to a boy's house and my mom went to the police station and basically filed a police report against me. But since I was 14 and it was the first time I had been caught doing something like this, I was put on this youth program and I was on probation. Um, So pretty much all of middle school going into my freshman year, I was seeing a probation officer and doing things I shouldn't have been doing and kind of slipped out of my straight A, like gifted child um, phase of life. But then when... High school started, I got off probation and I realized that I should focus on my grades more. So I started to do better at school, get back into getting straight A's, everything like that. The beginning of my freshman year, I met a boy and his name was John. And I actually started dating him because my ex-best friend was dating him. And they broke up. I wanted to make her jealous. So I DM'd him on Twitter and we started dating. Um, I had never been in a serious relationship before and our relationship got very serious for me very fast. Like we were meeting each other's parents and going to each other's houses and going on dates. And I had never done any of that before. I was 14 and he was 17. We went to the same school. After about... A month or so, I started to notice some red flags in our relationship, except that I didn't think that they were red flags because you were so young. I, I was really young. And also the only relationships I had ever seen were the ones my mom was in. And it, it these things seemed normal to me. I liked him a lot and I had a couple boyfriends in the past. Again, like nothing really serious, but he was not happy that I had boyfriends in the past. And he would get very jealous about the guys I dated in the past. He would get jealous when I would hang out with my friends. He would get jealous if I texted him anything that he didn't like the way that I was saying it. And it turned into him realizing he could just ignore me or threaten to leave me and drive me crazy. And I think it was because he felt so hurt by my past relationships and me being with my friends, even though he shouldn't have felt hurt, um, that he wanted me to be hurt. 
So he would do those things to me to make me feel how he felt. And we had discussed at the beginning of our relationship because we were both virgins at that time, which I, I, at that time, virginity was just such a huge thing for me. But now I, I, virginity is a social construct and I don't think that you're losing anything. And I, and I really hope that no one, you know, takes that from this. But when I was 14, um, that, and that was just one of the biggest things that I could give someone. So we discussed that since I had been like used in the past and uh, had bad breakups and had trust issues that we were going to wait until we were together for a year before we had sex. And he was on board too. And then when everything started happening about two months into our relationship where it had been a few weeks of him using the ignoring and threatening to break up with me, um, I started to get scared that he was going to leave me. And one night I went and hung out with my friend and at that time I didn't have a phone. I only had an iPod touch and I didn't have Wi-Fi, so I couldn't text him for a while. And when I got home, he had not sent me any messages. And so I texted him like, hey, I'm home. And he was still ignoring me. And I could tell he was mad that I hung out with my friend. And I was getting so upset that I was like, you know what? I'm going to text him and just tell him that I'm ready to lose my virginity because then he'll answer me for one. And two, he might finally trust me that I don't like these ex-boyfriends anymore. I only want him. I'm not going to leave him. And so I texted him. He immediately answered me. Um, and I was like, yep, like next time we have an opportunity, I'm ready. And I wasn't ready at all. I just really wanted him to stay with me. So, um, a couple weeks later after it happened, uh, it did not make anything better. Like I thought that it would, because he just continued doing the same things. But now I felt very trapped because I had just lost my virginity to this person. And now I can't leave him because I was barely 15. I had just turned 15. And did you, do you feel like you felt more, I guess, attached to him because of that? Yeah, I felt, well, not only did I feel more attached to him, but he would constantly remind me that I was freshly 15 and no one was really going to want to be with someone who wasn't a virgin. And I believed him. So I felt like I had to be with him forever. I was like, this is it. Like, I didn't know if anybody else would. Basically, he was convincing me that nobody else would want to It was a form of manipulation. Yeah. So throughout the first year of our relationship, there were a lot more red flags and a lot of things that happened. And I do not have time to get into all of them, but I wanted to tell one quick story that kind of sums up the manipulation part and also where his mind was at. I had a few ex-boyfriends, but he told me he only had one actual ex-girlfriend and her name was Kayla and she was older than him and was his older stepbrother's friend. And he said that they dated for a while, like a year or two. They were really close. Um, he did so much for her. She had her own place. Like they did so many things together. And I did, I mean, I was like, oh, that kind of sucks that, you know, you have trauma from being in a past relationship that didn't end well because he said that she cheated on him. But it, 
it was an ex. So I was like, let's move past that. And she lived an hour and a half away because that's where his dad lived. And one day after school, a few months into our relationship, I told him that I was going to take a nap and that I'd text him when I woke up. And when I woke up, I texted him and he said, I have to talk to you. And I was like, okay, what's up? And he said, Kayla showed up at my house and I opened the front door and she was sobbing and I didn't want my mom and sisters to know. So I told her, let's go outside. And we got in her car and she was bawling her eyes out saying that she really missed me and wanted to be with me again. And she kissed me. And I was like, well, did you kiss her back? And he was like, no. And I was like, oh, okay. Well, that's upsetting if she knew that you had a girlfriend. But if you didn't kiss her back, we'll move on from it. And then I found her on Twitter and she was engaged. And I started thinking maybe I should reach out to her or her fiance. But then I was like, I really don't want to get involved. It was just the one incident. Like, hopefully it doesn't happen again. Um, And then a couple months down the road, which I had in the back of my mind, been upset about this for a while. And it came up a few times, but I wasn't really blaming him for it. It was just a worry. Like, is she going to come back? Are you going to want her again? And there used to be, I don't know if there still is, but we used to use something called Ask FM. Mm-hmm. Okay. Um, and I would use it on my Twitter and I posted my link and it's basically where people can anonymously say things to you, ask you questions. And then when you respond, it tweets out their question and your response. Um, but they can stay completely anonymous. So I started getting these anonymous questions and things on Ask FM saying that it was Kayla and saying, you know, John wants me and he doesn't want you. He kissed me back. I know he told you about it, all these things. And so I call John and I'm like, Kayla is messaging me. I'm going to DM her on Twitter. And he's like, no, don't do that. Like, I'll handle it. And she's saying really nasty things to me. And as I'm on the phone with John, I start to realize that when I'm waiting for Kayla's response, he's getting quiet. And the way that she's typing to me doesn't really seem like a 19-year-old girl would be typing. And it was kind of the way that John typed. So I got off the phone with him and I like continued to talk to her for a little bit on there. And then I convinced myself that he was pretending to be her. So I just texted him and said, are you pretending to be Kayla on Ask FM right now? And he completely came clean because he knew that I was going to reach out to her or something if he didn't. And he said, okay, yeah, I am. Also, Kayla has no idea who I am. We never dated. She is my older brother's friend, but we never hung out. I just picked a random person because you had ex-boyfriends and you would you got to do things with them and I didn't get to experience that. I wanted you to hurt the way that I did. And that just to me was a little bit of the turning point when I realized that I might be dealing with something that's bigger than what I thought because that was serious mental illness and I didn't, I didn't know how to handle it. So as the rest of our first year went, We started to fight and then break up and get back together. Um, We did it for like a month and a half into the beginning of my sophomore year. And he'd do this thing where he would break up with me. And then when I would go to somebody else, he'd beg for me back. And then when he'd have me back, he'd break up with me. And it just kept happening. And one of the times that 
he broke up with me and then begged for me back. We were in school and he came up to me and asked if he could drive me home that day. And I was like, I guess, like we can talk. And I had started to convince myself I didn't need him. I was finally starting to be like, you don't need this. You can move on. It's going to be okay. And he started crying while he was driving me and saying that he really wanted to be with me and that he wanted me back. And I basically told him we should not be together anymore. And he really did not like that answer. And there was a glass cup in his cup holder that didn't have anything in it, like he used to have a drink in it. And he picked it up and smashed it against his head. And then we both just got silent. And he continues driving and he's driving towards his mom's house because while we were arguing, he was like, I'm taking you back to my house and we're gonna finish talking about this. And I didn't have any control over where we were going. And he turned onto his mom's street and I feel something on my left hand and I looked over and there's blood just pouring down his face. And it's all over his face, all over him, all over my arm, his car. And I'm like, turn around, go to my house because my house is like five minutes away. So he turns around and drives to my mom's house and I get out of the car, I walk inside and my mom is like, what is going on? And I was like, my, my boyfriend or my ex-boyfriend, I said, my ex-boyfriend is a psycho, <laughs> which I was very upset in that moment. Um, but I grabbed paper towels and I went outside trying to clean him up. He comes inside. It's a huge gash. I'm like, we have to go to the emergency room. We take him there. I leave. 15 minutes later, his mom calls and says, he needs to be admitted to the psych ward, to the psychiatric wing of the hospital. But he had just turned 18 and they couldn't force him to go. And he refused to admit himself unless I came back and talked to him. So I went back and I talked to him. And he made me promise him that I would get back together with him when he got out or else he would not admit himself. So I promised him and he went to the psych wing of the hospital. And when he got out, I continued to talk to him and help him through it and then ended up staying with him, which obviously when I look back on a lot of this now, I do not agree with a lot of the decisions that I made, but I was extremely young. I was 15 when this was happening and I didn't really know I had another choice. I didn't have really a support system that knew what was going on around me. So I got back together with him and a couple weeks later, he got into a fist fight with my ex-boyfriend at a football game when he was 18 and my ex was only 17 and they were going to arrest him because he was an adult. And he claimed that he wanted to kill himself to the police. And so instead of arresting him, they took him back to the psychiatric part of the hospital. And I felt like that was my fault because it was my ex that he got into a fight with. So I stayed with him because I felt so guilty about him going through that. After that happened, it seemed like our relationship started to become more stable and get better. Uh, when actually I think it was because he was with me 24 7 for the next few months his mom kicked him out of the house um i don't really remember why but i just remember that my mom basically said that he could stay with us um until like thanksgiving until he like found another place to stay and so he stayed with us which meant that he was with me like all day and night and my mom did not know that we were having sex my mom i had convinced her that we weren't um my dad, I 
did not see or talk to very often. Again, he'd try to come up like on weekends sometimes. Um, but because he didn't have to deal with the repercussions of my actions and my mom did, I felt like I could tell him more because he wasn't there to parent me about it. So I told him that I was having sex, but I did not tell my mom. And I was begging my mom to put me on birth control, begging her. I said, I have horrible periods. They were really bad. I mean, I would like throw up and have to leave school all the time and get horrible cramps. And I was like, please, like just, and she said, nope, I'm not putting you on birth control because then you'll have unprotected sex. And it was either I don't go on birth control and continue to date my boyfriend or I tell my mom I'm having sex and I don't go on birth control and I don't get to see my boyfriend. So I kind of just picked the one that was the least bad out of the two. Um, But I thought that our relationship was in a really good place, but really it was just because he knew that I wasn't doing anything else. So he could emotionally manipulate me and he couldn't go anywhere. And so I thought that it was normal and he knew that I wasn't off talking to other boys or anything, even though I wasn't, but he was convinced that I was. So I thought that we were doing really well. He ended up moving back home, I believe, at the end of 2013. And I turned 16 on the last day of the year. A couple of days after I turned 16, I was supposed to start my period. And my period was always on time. And the day that it was supposed to start, it did not. And I said... I think that I'm pregnant because we had not been using any kind of protection because we were young and stupid and didn't have anyone to teach us to do that because I couldn't talk to anyone. And when I told my dad, he, again, didn't have to deal with the parenting side of it. So he was just like, don't get pregnant. And I was like, okay. And then that was the end of it. Um, so... That day, I had him go to the store and give me a pregnancy test, and I took it in the bathroom of his mom's house, and it came back positive. And as soon as it came back positive, I wasn't even that concerned because, first of all, I knew I was pregnant because my period was never late, so it wasn't a surprise. And second of all, we had mutually agreed immediately that I was going to have an abortion. And... We went into his bedroom. We even started like Googling abortion clinics and he was calling them like, and then we realized that I'm 16 and I'd have to have a parent come with me. So we decided to put it on the back burner for a couple of days because I was going to have to tell my parents. And since I knew I was getting an abortion, I didn't want to tell them yet. And so I decided to live my life a little bit first. He told his mom and his sisters and his mom really did not want me to have an abortion. And she made that very clear to me. She kept telling me that she would be there for me and the baby. Her whole family would be there to support us. And that, you know, she she wasn't really, like, pushing me to not have one. She didn't say, like, you can't have one. But she was making it very clear that she did not want me to have an abortion. And as the days went on, and when I say days, I mean, like, five. It was not that many days. I had convinced myself that I did want to have the baby. So I started talking to John about it and we agreed mutually that we wanted to have the baby. We thought we were at a really good spot in our relationship and that this was going to be really good for us. And I always wanted to be a mom. Like growing up, I was like, I I knew I wanted to have kids and I didn't know it was going to happen at this point, but I thought that this this is the universe talking. It's going to happen. So 
the time came when I had to tell my parents and I was supposed to go to my dad's that weekend and I was going to tell my dad first. Um, the day before I went to my dad's, my sister was playing Minecraft with him and talking to him on the computer. And she knew that I was pregnant because I told my sisters and my sisters were young. Like I was 16 and they were 12 and 10. Um, so they didn't really know anything, but my 12 year old sister said to my dad, um, Abby's got a bun in the oven, like jokingly. And he immediately called me and was like, are you pregnant? And I was like, no, I'm not pregnant. And he's like, oh, okay, well, if anything like that does happen or you have any scares or you need help with anything, like you can talk to me. And I was like, oh, okay, thank you. So then I felt a lot better about it, but I wanted to tell him in person. So that weekend he came up and we went over there, but then Friday happened, Saturday happened, Sunday happened, and I was too scared to tell him. So we all got back in the car for him to drive us to my mom's house. And my sisters were like, you have to tell him. So then one of my sisters just yelled and was like, Abby's pregnant. And he pulled into my mom's driveway and parked the car and he turned around. And he was like, are you really pregnant? And I was like, yeah, and I'm not getting an abortion. And he locked us in the car and started freaking out on me. He was screaming. He was like, I'm not even telling your mom. I'm taking you right now. You're getting an abortion. You're not having this baby. You're too young, all this. And I was like, nope. I'm not having an abortion. We decided and he tried and I was crying and you know, there was a lot of screaming and eventually he was like, go inside. I'm talking to your mom. So I went inside and he talked to my mom for like 40 minutes and then she came up to me and she goes, I don't want you to have an abortion. I said, I'm not having an abortion. And the reason she didn't want me to have one was because of her religious views because she still had a lot of religious trauma from her childhood and she genuinely was against that. Um, and so my, my reasoning was different than hers, but both of us agreed. So she made me a doctor appointment. I went to the doctor. They confirmed that I was pregnant. And then came the part where my whole family had to find out. I didn't tell anyone except for my mom, my dad, and my sisters, my, my parents told everyone, but they were all very disappointed, very embarrassed, not supportive, which getting pregnant, like when you're 15, finding out a couple of days after you turn 16. And it's obviously something that a lot of people are not going to be supportive of. And I don't think that it's something that that is a very good decision. I, I looking back on it, I mean, I love my son more than anything on the planet, but I, I do not think that getting pregnant at that age was a good decision, especially with the relationship that I was in. Um, so a few weeks after I found out, I started having flu-like symptoms and feeling really sick. And it was worse than morning sickness. It was fevers. It was shakes. It was fatigue. So I went to my OBGYN and they did blood work. And I tested positive for something called parvovirus B19, which parvovirus is something that's heard of in dogs, but it's not. Yeah, yeah it's not the same thing. Okay. It's actually called fifth disease, which is a really common virus that 50% of people get um and it's usually like you they it looks like you have like a rash on your face and you get like cold like symptoms or flu like symptoms um and it was not harmful to me at all but it could have been harmful to the baby my chance of miscarriage went up 10 to 15% and i had to 
go to the doctor a lot and get a lot of ultrasounds and they'd hook me up to the machines where they'd check the heart rate and everything like that. Um, Did like they put you on weekly. antibiotics? No. So it, antibiotics couldn't have done anything. The only like it because it was viral and not bacterial and so the only thing that they could do is monitor it and make sure that it didn't cause fetal anemia okay and if they saw anything happening then they would have gone from there but nothing did end up happening thank goodness but i did have a high risk pregnancy so i was always at the doctor. I had a million ultrasounds. Like, so, um, but I was sick. I was really sick from it. So I took about a week and a half off of school because I was so sick. And while I was gone, I started hearing from my friends that John was hanging out with, eating lunch with, and driving home um, this girl that I had used to be friends with, um, not the one he dated, a different one, um, every day. And he wasn't telling me about it. And I confronted him and he was very annoyed and he was like, you know, you shouldn't be wondering what I'm doing. I'm at school. And anyways, I asked him to stop. And the first day that I went back to school, he basically ignored me the whole day and was still talking to this girl, eating with her at lunch. So I confronted him at school. It turned into this huge scene. He was screaming at me. My mom was having a scare because they found a lump that they were checking to see if it was cancerous. It ended up being benign. But at the time I was going through my pregnancy and the parvovirus and like being scared by that. And he was in the middle of the lunchroom screaming like, I hope your mom dies of cancer and all of this stuff. And I just remember I ran to the guidance counselor's office, which was not like me because I was a, a quiet, like straight A like type of girl, even though I was pregnant. Um, I did not like attention being brought to me. So I went there and um, went home and I that was the beginning of our relationship going way downhill <laughs> after that. A few months into my pregnancy, I ended up catching him cheating. He would, it started with, I think like Tinder and then it went on to like Kick and all of the other dating apps, ones I had never even heard of. Um, it almost seemed to me like it was some kind of like addiction. Like I felt like I, there wasn't anything I wasn't giving him and he was still seeking it out elsewhere. And I think that he just needed to be talking to other girls. I, I genuinely don't know why, um, it was happening, but it, it started and it continued throughout my entire pregnancy. Um, and then there was a lot of emotional and verbal abuse and then a little bit of physical abuse started. It was mostly like throwing things and grabbing me and, um, I was pregnant the whole time. So I wasn't going to go anywhere. I didn't have a job. I didn't have a license. Um, I, you know, no one was going to want to be with a 16 year old girl who was pregnant. And so I was like this, I'm just gonna have to put up with it. And I got to the point where like, I would catch him cheating and he would like look at it and just laugh and then we'd just never talk about it again. Like it, it was at that point. And I was so worried that I was gonna like go into labor from how stressed I was. It was it was not great. Um, I do have a quick question. When you were going to school pregnant, mm -hmm. did you feel embarrassment at all about that? Yeah, so um, my sophomore year, I went to school up until I was about five months pregnant because summer started and I was so tiny, you could not tell I was pregnant. Okay. So I like, I was wearing tight clothes, no baby bump. Um, 
that summer happened and a lot of my friends kind of stopped talking to me. Um, I did tell people in my school that I was pregnant around four months, but I had a lot of friends and he had a lot of friends and they all seemed very supportive. Um, and it was also, you couldn't tell I was pregnant. So it was just like, oh, she's got a baby in there somewhere. Like it was just kind of like the idea of me having a baby. Um, then the summer happened. A lot of my friends stopped because they were doing fun 16 year old stuff. And I was sitting at home pregnant with a baby and John was cheating on me. So he was off with his friends and doing whatever he wanted with other girls. And I was not with them ever. So I kind of stuck to myself during the summer. And then when my junior year started, I was very pregnant. I was eight months pregnant because I had him at the end of September. And I remember it was, it was like more embarrassing to me for my teachers to know than the other kids, because the teachers obviously felt very uncomfortable. And also they needed to be prepared for if like my water broke or I went into labor in the middle of their classroom. And the school district and city that I lived in was not a place where teenagers got pregnant. (laughs) It was uh, a suburb of, uh, you know, a place, a small city in Ohio with a small population and a lot of um, people that had money and if their kid got pregnant, they nobody ever found out about it. So it was definitely not something that anyone was used to. Um, I do remember one time walking out of my Latin class and I turned the corner and I would always wear like camis with cardigans over them. And I'd like close my cardigan up and I'd hold my books in front of it. And these two boys behind me, I heard one of them go, she's so fucking big. <laughs> and I just remember being like, "It's I'm pregnant. It's a baby. Like, of course I'm big. It's a baby. Like I was able to just like talk myself yeah. out of it. But I was like, I'm glad I'm big. I'm about to pop out a baby. Like who cares? He's healthy and inside of me, you know, it's all good. So um, yeah, I definitely felt embarrassment, but because I was able to have like those five months of my sophomore year being pregnant without showing, it helped me. And then I only had to go to school for about a month before I had him my junior year. Okay. One of the things that really bothered me when I was pregnant was, um, my mom's friends and like other adults or families that we knew really didn't want me around their kids because they didn't want to have to explain to them like why I was pregnant. You looked like a bad influence. Right, exactly. (laughs) It's like they were like, oh, like there's some like 12 year old that's like, um, The thing I don't like about that, like I feel like from a parent's perspective, I, I guess I can see it. But at the same time, I think we live in a world where that happens often. So instead of hiding it, from your kid like and I think in a way that that's a form of like shaming someone and why would you want to do that like it's even if you don't want your kid necessarily to see it it's like how do you think that's going to make the person feel right yeah I hate that yeah it was it was very difficult because I part of me understood it but another part of me was like do you know how many people my age are having sex do you know how many people I know that are sexually active that have had abortions have been pregnant and they just didn't have the baby like I just have something to show for it and so I am the bad influence which yeah that is how I was seen by a lot of people um right before I started my junior year I had my baby shower and the day after my baby shower I went home from John's house and I brought all the gifts I got from the shower, spread them all out around my living room. 
and was talking to my mom, showing her everything that I got. And she looks like white as a ghost, like while she's listening to me. And I'm not really noticing it. Like I'm kind of noticing it, but I'm like, just look at the gifts I got. And my little sister, one of them walks up to her and whispers in her ear. And I'm like, what is going on? And my mom goes, I have to tell you something. And I'm like, what? And she goes, I'm pregnant. <laughs> and I did not know how to react. So I put my hands in my mouth, started screaming at the top of my lungs and bawling my eyes out. Like, cause just so much emotion. Like I was like, I, what, I don't know what I'm supposed to think about this. Ran into the other room and John was in there and he's like, what's wrong? What's going on? I'm like, my mom is pregnant. And he's like, I thought someone died. Like, why are you acting this way? And I'm like, I'm pregnant. I'm eight months pregnant. My mom is pregnant. And so that became a thing. Um, she did not mean to get pregnant, but she did. And she was due five months after me. So that was very weird. Um, living my life with my mom pregnant at the same time as me. She was 38 or 39 when she got pregnant. I cannot, I think 38. But yeah, it was really weird. Like we had both had pregnancy cravings and we'd both like be like, let's go get some food late at night. Like we're both pregnant. Super weird. Um, but yeah, so I had to deal with that. And then I went back to school and I had an induction date at 39 weeks because I had a high risk pregnancy. So I went to the hospital um, the day of my induction and they induced me at like five in the morning. I had him at six thirteen, and that bad. yeah, it was actually one like so easy. It was crazy easy, and all the doctors and nurses were like, "Don't tell anybody about You're this. They're gonna you. be so jealous." And like, "You're made for making babies." I'm like, "It's because I'm sixteen. Like, right. <laughs> I'm like, this is I'm just yeah." Um, but yeah, he was small. He was six pounds three ounces, and he's perfectly healthy. Um, I pushed for like five minutes. It was very easy. Um, and then we took him home two days later. It was very weird because I was not allowed to be driven around um, like without asking um, by my boyfriend because I was only 16. I wasn't allowed to have sleepovers with him. I wasn't allowed to be like in my bedroom alone with him. And with we, the baby? No. Oh, I'm sorry. No. <laughs> With uh, with John, like who whose rules were that? Was that my parents? Okay, yeah. So well, my parents, mom and my stepdad. Okay, so your parents said that you couldn't. Yeah, they were very. Which I was like, what am I gonna do? Like, right. have another baby? I was like, I'm not like, I. But yeah, they were very much they the same rules they had before I got pregnant are the same rules they had while I was pregnant and after I had the baby. Okay, it was you're too young for that. I don't trust this. I don't trust that. I don't want you guys alone together. Like it was, um, that, that's just how it was. And I was not happy with it because we had a baby together. And it also meant that I had to do everything by myself because my mom was pregnant. She was tired. She wasn't going to get up in the middle of the night. She, you know, she helped like around when she could, but she couldn't help very much. Now, um, what about John's family? They were supportive, okay, um, for sure. But um, it was really only his mom that I mean, his sisters were young. Again, he had younger sisters, um, and his mom. And his mom worked full time. And um, I 
didn't I couldn't drive yet. Right. I didn't get my license till I was 18. So he would take me over there to his house sometimes and she would help out while we were there. But then it was very much like, this is your baby, like take him home and raise your baby. So. And how was John with everything? He, he was good. Um, he definitely stepped up when I first had him. He got a new car. He got a new job. He, um, yeah, he definitely was putting in the effort um, it did not take him very long to start cheating on me and everything again. So that, uh, you know, it didn't last for very long, but, um, it was just hard. It was weird because I was at like my house, he was at his house and we did want to be together, but again, we couldn't be together at night. Mm -hmm. We couldn't be like, he had to work. He worked second shift. So he would watch the baby while I went to, while I went to school and I had, um, late arrival and early dismissal. I also breastfed him till I was eight or till I was till he was eight months old. And so I that was (laughs) how long did you stop going to school after you had the baby? Six weeks. Okay. Yeah, it was like a six week maternity leave. It actually wasn't again, I was I was pretty good at school. So I went in the teacher would uh my teachers would put all my papers together. They'd have an aide like drop them off at my house. And then like every Friday I'd go to the school and like take whatever tests I needed to and oh. drop off my homework and then come back. Okay, nice. Um, and then after the six weeks you went back. Yeah. Okay. And I was only at school for like two and a half or three hours a day. So like I didn't have to pump there or anything. Yeah. yeah, it was um, it was again, weird um, because like I was going to school with like nursing pads in my bra, but and I was a junior in high school. But um, yeah. Um, I had really bad postpartum depression, which I feel like anyone that has a baby when you're 16 is going to have something like that because my mental illness already, like the anxiety and stuff like that, um, was there. And so then when I had a baby and had my body back and was a 16 year old again, I realized that I couldn't really do any of the things my friends were doing because I had to raise a child. So that fueled into it and it was really bad. And then also like being in the relationship that I was in. John and I started breaking up again and getting back together. And um, I was trying to live out my junior year and the summer between my junior and senior year as the 16, 17 year old that I was while also being a mom. And there were definitely a lot of times combined with the postpartum depression where I didn't think I could do it. I didn't think I wanted to do it. I was like, should I let John's mom just take the reins? I was like, should I not be a mom anymore? It was like three or four months of going back and forth with that. And then John and I broke up for uh, most of that summer. We ended up getting back together. And... When we got back together, everything was really different because we had never broken up for that long and we kind of realized we could live without each other and we were really getting back together like for the baby. And so towards the end of 2015, um, which I was a senior in high school, he started saying that he didn't want to be with me and I started saying I didn't really want to be with him either. And we actually mutually agreed to break up. Um that happened and then I tried to move on, tried to be a single mom. Um, I actually was doing really well. Then I turned 18 and I met a new guy. We started dating and as soon as I had a new boyfriend, John decided he did not like that and it turned into the begging me to get back together with him thing again. Um, And he actually 
lured me to a hotel room. He told me that we were going to take our son to his doctor appointment, which he did have one. Um, took me to the hotel room that he had um, paid for. I don't know why, but he took me to the hotel. I couldn't drive yet, still didn't have my license. So I got out, we got out with our son and I'm like, why are we here? And he's like, I've been staying here. I don't want to be at home. We just need to go inside. He convinced me to go inside. I really don't remember how I was not thinking in this time. And as soon as we got there, he goes, my mom's here to take our son to his doctor appointment and just leaves with him. So I'm sitting in the hotel room and I'm, I start like texting my boyfriend. Like I texted my mom and I was like, this is where I am. And he comes back and he is like, he's got like a bottle of wine and he like pours two glasses and he's like, I just want to talk. Like, I really want to be with you again. And he notices that I had a hickey on my neck, which I didn't know was there. And he freaks out, freaks out, starts smashing glasses, starts throwing things. And then he goes into the bathroom and he just starts bashing his head against the counter. And I was so scared. I didn't know what to do. So I just left the hotel room, but the door locked behind me. So I called 911 and they came and I was, as I'm waiting for them to come the whole time, I'm like banging on the door and he's not answering. And I'm just assuming he's dead. So I'm like living these 10 minutes thinking that, and I'm like, this is going to look like all my fault. Like I'm the only one here. This is going to be horrible. And then the police get there and they knock and they knock one time and he just opens the door and he's got blood all over him, but he's fine. And they take him to the psychiatric unit at the hospital again. And this time when he gets out, we don't get back together because I have a new boyfriend trying to move on. Um, and this continued for a few months and it got to the point where I was so scared for my safety and my son's safety that I started just telling him that I loved him and that we could maybe be together again. And my boyfriend knew I was saying these things. He would sit there and watch me type it and he hated it, but I was like, I'm so scared of him. I don't know what he's gonna do. He'd show up at my boyfriend's house and like ask the neighbors and be like, my girlfriend and my son are in that house and and she's cheating on me and you need to go tell them. And and then my boyfriend's mom be like, there's this guy walking around saying this. And I'm like, that's my ex-boyfriend. And I would have just try to brush it off. But I was so scared that if I didn't keep that hope alive that we could eventually be together, that he would do something horrible. And at the time, I thought it was the good thing to do. I thought it was the right idea for me. Um, it was not. I definitely, I not only was I fueling a fire, but I was also causing him trauma because he was very mentally ill and he he thought that he was going to be with me. And I was just telling him that he was and stringing him along all these months because I thought it was best for me, but it wasn't best for me or him. So one day near the end of my senior year, um, he is blowing me up and I'm spending the night at my boyfriend's house and I don't have my son. My son is with him, but he lives with his mom. So he's with his mom and I trusted John's mom a lot. So whenever he was with his mom, I felt comfortable because she wouldn't let anything happen to him. And he was spending the night there and I never spent the night at my boyfriend's house with my son. It was only when I didn't have him. So I was like, this is a night to myself. I'm going to go do this. He was going to take me, my boyfriend's going to take me to school the next day. Um, John would not leave me alone, blowing up my phone. And he was like, I'm at your mom's right now. I want you to come out and talk to me. So I told him that I was at my dad's and he, I think was more scared of my dad. So um, 
Oh, and actually, my dad, which I forgot to say this, my dad ended up moving back to the city that we lived in when he found out that I was pregnant. Um, and finding out that I was pregnant, even though he moved back and was closer, you'd think we'd be closer, but actually it it ruined our relationship for a long time, um, especially after he told me to get an abortion and then it didn't go well. Um, but he was living in the same city as my mom. So I was like, I'm staying at my dad's tonight. He's going to take me to school tomorrow and like, don't come here. He doesn't want you to come here. And he started texting my sister and she texted me and said, hey, John's blowing me up. And I was like, block him. And I was like, I'm done with this. I'm blocking him. So I blocked his number. She blocked his number. I said, I'm sleeping here. I'm going to school tomorrow. I'm not dealing with this anymore. And then the next morning I was leaving my boyfriend's house with him. We got into his car started driving and I noticed a car behind us that looked like John's car. And I said something, I was like, kind of looks like John's car. And he was like, it's not him. Why would it be him? And we stop at a red light and all of a sudden John pulls up next to us and gets out of the car and starts banging on my window, screaming at me like, you're a whore. I can't believe that you lied to me, all this stuff. And then the light turns green. So we get on the highway and I'm freaking out. I don't know what to do. I'm like, take me to school I like just take me to the school what can you do there so we're driving and John's chasing us and we get off at an exit that's not the right exit to try and lose him but he ends up getting out behind us gets out of the car behind us gets out a baseball bat starts smashing the back of my boyfriend's car light turns green we start driving again I call my dad um, my dad was actually on his way to my high school to drop off my other one of my sisters and so um I was like, I'm coming to you. I'm heading your way. And also John is chasing us with a baseball bat. And then we finally get off at the exit where we're supposed to get off at to go to my school. And John pulls up next to us, gets out of the car, gets his baseball bat and smashes my window in my face. And I just remember like turning to the side and trying to make it so that he didn't hit me with the bat. And I look up and he's getting back in his car and he turns right and starts driving down the road. And my boyfriend, who was a, a, an okay person, but after, during this and after this, I came to realize that he was not a great boyfriend to me. Um, he called 911 and I was freaking out, screaming to my dad the whole time. And he is like telling me to shut the fuck up the whole time. He's like, shut the fuck up. I can't, they can't hear me on the phone. Like talking to me so mean. And... The reason I point that out is because later I ended up having to sit in front of a grand jury and listen to the 911 call with all of them while my boyfriend at the time was screaming at me to shut the fuck up the whole time. And I'm just super embarrassed. Like, I'm super embarrassed, like, having to sit in front of all a room full of people while they listen to my boyfriend, like, verbally abuse me. Um, so that was really awkward. But at the time, I wasn't focused on it. I was just focused on not dying. Um, we turned down the same way that John did, and I don't know why, and then he turned down a side road and parked his car to talk to the 911 operator. And I'm screaming, I'm like, you have to go, he's gonna come back. And all of a sudden, John is driving down the opposite direction of the road we're on, and my boyfriend is able to pull into someone's yard so that he hit the back driver's side of the car and not us head on, but it made us do like a 180. And I took my seatbelt off and started opening my door. And I, this is on the 911 call too, I'm screaming to my dad and I keep saying, daddy, I don't wanna die. And it was so sad, like listening back to that. And my dad talks about it all the time about how 
like it was just the most traumatic thing that he's ever had to listen to. And I am not realizing at this point that I'm going through one of the most traumatic things of all time and I'm going to have to deal with it forever. Um, but I just don't want to die. So I'm trying to get out of the car, but then we're back on the road. So I put my seatbelt back on and we get to the police station. Ambulance gets there. They have to pull some glass out of me, but it w really wasn't that bad. I ended up being okay. Um, car was not okay. Um, we have to give our statements. We go to the courthouse. I get a temporary protection order against him because they immediately found him. He just went back to his mom's house. Um, so that was the end of my senior year right before my prom and my graduation and everything. And I did end up getting to the point where I could go to my prom and graduation. But my son's father was in jail. He did end up getting out on bail like a week later, I think. Um, and he was out until his trial, which was in November. My boyfriend and I stayed together for a few months. I ended up finding out that he was cheating on me with his ex-girlfriend. We did not last. We were only together for like eight or nine months. Um, and we broke up. John was out of jail and awaiting his trial. And I hadn't talked to him in a few months. And I was having that trauma, PTSD, like, this is all my fault. I feel so guilty. And he reached, he reaches out to me, which he had a, I, or I had a protection order against him. And so he could have gotten in a lot of trouble. And for some reason to me, that was like, oh my gosh, he wants me so bad that he'll go against a protection order. I should talk to him. So I did. And then he basically like kind of apologized for it, but also kind of was like, that was your fault. Like, you know that, right? And I was like, it was my fault. And they really convinced me that that was all my fault. He's like, you were telling me you loved me. Like, how can you do that? And then go to his house. And I was like, you're so right. And so I started like secretly dating him again. That was how warped my mind was at that time because I genuinely was like, I thought that it was all my fault. I thought I was going to get, I thought they were going to go through his phone and see what I was sending him and be like, well, you were leading him on. So this deserved to happen to you. That's what I thought was going to happen. Um, then his trial started to come up and he started to not want to really be with me anymore. And I could tell, and he was getting distant, but I wanted to be with him so bad. And I think him getting distant made me want him even more. But I think he was stringing me along mostly because I had to send a letter to the judge about if I thought he should go to jail or not. And he did not want me to send a bad letter to the judge. So he kept making it think like we were going to be together and I was holding on to that. And then finally I ended things on my own because I didn't like how he was treating me. And right after I did that, I found out that I was pregnant again. And I could not be pregnant with him again. There was no way I could have a baby with him again. I had just gotten over dealing with the postpartum depression. I had just gone through that traumatic event. You know, I mean, so much stuff had happened. I was like, I cannot bring another baby into this world. You were 18 at this point? Yeah, I was 18. Um, and I told my parents about it. Um, and my mom was very against abortion still she did not support me wanting to get one at all but I knew that if I did not get one I probably would have ended up doing something horrible to myself or killing myself I was in a really bad mental state it it would have been bad for everyone so and especially for my son because he was about to turn two and 
he, I already had him really young. I was, I was like, I can't do that to him. Like I, I, so I decided that I wanted to get one. My dad, um, and his girlfriend at the time helped me with it. And I ended up getting an abortion. Um, it was extremely traumatic. I had to get a surgical abortion. Um, there's a few different kinds that you can get. And I was awake for the whole thing. And I just remember it being something that I never wanted to go through again. And Did not it only hurt? it hurt really bad. <laughs> um, they have different options. They you can do like you just take some ibuprofen beforehand, or you can take a Vicodin beforehand, or they can literally pump you with like fentanyl and make it so you don't feel things. And I chose that option, and I still was in excruciating pain. Um, it didn't last very long. It only lasted like 20 to 30 minutes. I was very out of it. They put me in a room afterwards, gave me some water and antibiotic, and then someone had to drive me home. Um, but the physical like distress from getting an abortion can be just as bad, if not worse, than the mental. And my mental health was actually a lot better afterwards. I was miserable. I was throwing up all the time from being pregnant. Miserable didn't didn't want to be pregnant. Um, it was just thoughts of being with this abusive ex-boyfriend of mine. And then I had to deal with the physical parts of it. And um, it ended up being okay. And I'm still very happy I made that decision. And it was definitely what was best for me, my family, everything at the time. Um, so that happened in September. And then in October, I start talking to another guy. And this guy is uh, one of my childhood friends, actually. And we've known each other for a really long time. And we start hanging out, um, starts getting a little bit serious, and I'm feeling a lot better about stuff. And then John's trial comes up. And the guy friend who I've been talking to was planning on asking me to be his girlfriend on, it was November 2nd, 2016. And there were a few things happening that day. And he was like, this is just a perfect day. We were really big baseball fans, and the they were the Cleveland Indians at the time. They were in the World Series. It was the last game of the World Series. They were playing that day. He's like, I'm going to ask you to be my girlfriend. We're going to go to my house. We're going to watch them win the World Series. It's going to be an awesome day. Um, it was also the day of John's trial, and I did send a letter to the judge begging him not to put him in jail. I was like, I even used excuses like, I want him to give me child support. I did not care about child support. I was just like, anything that he would think is a good reason to not put him in jail, don't do it. And I wrote that letter before I started talking to this guy. And then I started to realize that maybe I shouldn't have written the letter the way that I did, but I did it. November 2nd came and because it was the day of the trial, the night before John and his mom had my son overnight, just in case you know he did end up going to jail. She dropped him off really early in the morning so that she could take John to trial. And I was hanging out with one of my friends the night before and she spent the night at my house. We were both really exhausted. So the I, oh my gosh, I, did, I forgot to say one thing. Go ahead. I was living with my dad at that time because my mom actually kicked me out of the house when she found out that I was talking to John again. Kind of rightfully so <laughs> because he was probably a threat to my family. Um, but my dad and his girlfriend had bought a new house um, still in the same city as my mom. So I was living with them and I was living in their basement, but it was a split level. So it was kind of just like another floor of the house. It was carpeted, everything. 
Um, but there was access to the backyard, a garage, and then there were steps that went upstairs. And I brought my son inside and we laid down with him and he fell back asleep. We all fell back asleep. I woke up a couple of times and sometimes he was sleeping. Sometimes he was sitting up like watching Mickey Mouse Clubhouse on the TV, whatever. And like an hour had gone by um, since I had gone back to sleep and I woke up again to like get up for the day. And I noticed that he wasn't in my bed with me. And my friend, I had a day bed. So there was like a bed that pulled out on the ground. She was sleeping on that. And he wasn't in the bed with her either. And I was like, where did he go? And so I start looking around and I had a gate at the bottom of the steps and all the doors were locked. So I was like, he's got to be somewhere. And I can't find him. And then I see the gate is pulled down. And so I start walking upstairs and I'm like calling his name. I see that our pantry's open, which he loved to go in there. I'm like, oh, he went in the pantry. I'm like, is he in the closet? And then I walk into our kitchen and our sliding glass door is open onto a deck, which is above, it's like a second story deck. So there's like 12 stairs that go down to the backyard and there's a gate that closes and that gate is open too. And so the back door is open, the gate is open and I run outside. He's not on the deck. I fly down the stairs. He's not in the backyard. And I'm like, oh my God, he ran away. He left my house. He had just turned two years old. He was a tiny little two-year-old boy. So I just start, I'm in like cheetah print, pajama pants and a big t-shirt. I don't have my phone on me. I left it in my house. I'm running around and calling his name, screaming his name. And my dad's girlfriend's dog comes running from like blocks over. And I'm like, were you with him? Like, I don't know what's going on. I'm freaking out. I go back inside. I wake my friend up. I call the police. They come. They have to call the police from like three other cities around us because they're like, how long has he been gone? I'm like, I don't know. Another thing is my dad had a very expensive um, security system at their house. And every time a door opened, a noise would go off. And we had a very heavy back door that he could not open and a lock on the gate that he could not open. So my dad's girlfriend let her dog outside to go to the bathroom before work, left the back door open and left the gate open and the security system wasn't set. And all of those things had to align. It also was my two-year-old somehow pulling down my gate that I had up and he left my house. So the police are looking for him. I'm like, he's gotten hit by a car. He was abducted. He found a body of water and drowned. I'm all of these things. I am blacked out, like so scared. And probably about 45 minutes goes by of them trying to find where he is. They set out an Amber Alert, everything. Um... I have to call my dad and tell him. I have to call my mom and tell her. I'm like, I couldn't even like say the words to my mom. I'm like, he's gone. I don't know where he is. And my, like another one of my friends came over. Um, Finally, we're standing on my back deck and one of the cops is like, we found him. And I'm like, are you sure you found him? What does he look like? What is he wearing? And they're like, we found a little blonde boy who's wandering around your neighborhood by himself. An older couple found him in their backyard, like playing on their swing set. They called the police he's fine. And I was like, I, I was convinced that the day that his dad was going to trial to go to jail, I had just killed my son. Like I was convinced that that was what just happened. And I just kept thinking, what am I going to tell him? What am I going to tell his mom? Like I, it was horrible. Um, and my, I couldn't drive. I was delirious. I could not drive. So my friend, uh, my two friends that were there, they drove and got him and brought him home. They literally put me, like, I, they put me in his arms. They took, like, a statement. The police took a statement, and they were like, well, 
like hopefully it doesn't happen again and then they just left like there was really nothing that came from it It, and so I was I guess that was good because I was worried I was gonna get in trouble but I was like I did not leave my house like I would never leave my house open it wasn't me and um I they put him in my arms and I'm like hugging him I'm bawling my eyes out and I put him down he just starts walking towards the road again he has no idea what happened he's just like ready to go on another adventure and I'm like well at least I didn't cause him trauma but definitely caused me trauma um so I hadn't really looked at my phone yet that day and then I pick up my phone and my ex-boyfriend who was in the car with me when everything happened with John um had sent me a text and I hadn't really been talking to him because we had broken up a few months before he sent me a text and said John got two to three years in prison and I was like oh my god so I just went through losing my son and then finding him And now I found out that his dad is going to prison for two to three years. And then I text the guy that I'm talking to and I tell him everything that happened. And he's like, I'm going to come over. So he comes over and he's like, I still think that you should come to my house. Like you need, you need to relax. Everything is okay. And we walk outside. And before I get in my car, he asks me to be his girlfriend. And I was like, oh my gosh, like what a crazy day to ask me to be your girlfriend. Um, what a crazy anniversary to have. And um, good thing he asked me out because I've been with him for seven years now. Oh, <laughs> and we're married and we have another kid together. So it ended up working out. Mm-hmm. He went through all of the crazy stuff with um, everything that was going on. Um, so that was awesome. But then we went to his house and then had to watch our favorite baseball team lose the World Series. That's <laughs> awesome. So November 2nd is the most eventful traumatic, horrible day of my life. And it's also the day that I started dating the love of my life. So that's really fun. Um, But he went to prison. He ended up getting out after six months. Um, I'm not, I don't know exactly how all of that works. I I just know that that's all he ended up having to spend in there. Um, And he got out after six months. And then um, I would not let him see our son when he first got out because I didn't know how things were going to be. While he was in jail, he wrote me letters all the time. Poems, love letters, things like how he just wanted to be with me. He would use the money that he had on his account to call me um, and try to talk to me and tell me he wanted to get back together with me. And part, most of me, I was doing a good job at telling him no, but part of me was still like, I felt guilty for him being in jail because I felt like it was my fault. And I also was scared to tell him no still like because he was going to get out eventually. And I was so scared to make him mad, even though he was in jail. So when he got out, I wouldn't let my son see him. And I got subpoenaed because him and his mom went to um, our county and they filed something where we had to go to the courthouse and meet with a bunch of other parents who were having custodial issues and watch this movie about basically it doesn't matter what your parents are going through as long as you see them. And after we watched it, they stood up in the courthouse and they were like, if you're having any issues, you have any concerns about domestic abuse or drug use, you can bring those up to us at the end. But what we're most focused on is that your child sees both parents. And I was just like, what do you mean? I... I mean, I understand him seeing his son, but I was 
I was scared to be in the same room as him. And I had to fill out a paper and I had to put on there that he went to jail because he hurt me. And they pulled me aside and they were like, are you scared to be in a room with him and a mediator? And I was like, well, no, he's not going to like hurt me in front of a mediator. So we went in the room with the mediator to talk to try and figure out some kind of custody agreement. And another thing that he would do a lot is he would always try to tell me that he wasn't his kid, which he looks just like him. And we all knew that it was his kid. I knew it was his kid. I'd only been with him. It was just that he wanted to hold something against me and try and make me feel like he knew something that I didn't. And so when we went back there and we started talking, he was like, I will waive all of my rights to get a paternity test. I agree that he's my kid. I will pay child support. I want split custody. And the mediator talked to us and they were like, well, if he lives with his, if John's living with his mom, do you feel safe with him there, with your son there? And I was like, I mean, yeah, I I trust his mom. And he's, the mediator was like, well, as long as John tells you when he leaves to go live somewhere else and notifies you where he is, is it okay if he's over there? And I was like, I mean, I guess as someone's there that I trust that's watching. She goes, okay, well then I'm going to give you guys split custody. And I didn't, I could not stick up for myself. I was, uh, Jake, who is my husband now, he was with me, but he couldn't come back in the room with the mediator. So he wasn't there to help me stick up for myself. And this was one of the first times I had seen John since he went to jail for literally trying to kill me. And so I just was like, okay. And we had to go in front of, um, a judge and we had to have an agreement put in writing and we had to swear we'd follow it. And I left with split custody with my abuser and I was super stressed out about it. Um, Definitely caused some issues with us throughout the years. Uh, But my son is nine years old now and I have a five-year-old also with my husband. And I do have a decently okay relationship with my son's dad. He has grown. I can tell that he has. And I definitely think that we were not meant to cross to cross paths. I don't think that we should have ever ended up together. It was very toxic, very abusive, traumatic for both of us. But now we have a son out of it and he is so smart. He's in gifted programs. He is, you know, straight A student. He plays sports. He's so sweet. I mean, he's just one of the best kids. I'm so happy that I have him. I can deal with putting up with everything else and I can deal with having to have a relationship with his dad now. It's been a long time, but it's definitely hard. And I mean, sometimes my son will do things that will remind me of John and I will start to feel like really uncomfortable. And I hate that. I don't want my son to do things that makes me feel uncomfortable, but it'll remind me of him. And it'll remind me of the way that he talks, the way that his mannerisms are. And it just like brings me back to when I was with him. And that is very difficult for me, but I am very happy with my life now. And, you know, it all probably had to happen for everything to fall in place. So, um, he, my husband coaches, uh, my son's baseball team. And this past season, his dad started to help coach. He's starting to get more involved. He's, it's definitely gotten better. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's been difficult, but I mean, yeah, I, Everything really crazy happened um, before I met 
Jake. And then ever since then, I've had someone stable in my life, finally, (laughs) someone that's good to me. And um, it's made everything so much easier. And now um, I am really happy with where we're at. That's great. And I was going to say too, I think obviously, like I was saying before, your story is nuts. I mean, it's like, I feel like when something happens, you think, okay, like it's going to come up and then something else happens again. Um, but no, and, and you're such a good, great storyteller. Seriously. I mean, Thank you. very good. Um, I always say if I can like picture it in my head as mm-hmm. someone's telling it, that's how I know they're a good storyteller. Um, but no, I also think that your story is so relatable because for so many different reasons. I mean, there might be people watching this that had a child at a young age and can relate to that aspect. There's probably people that have been in a in just an abusive relationship and can relate to that. And then there's people that, like you, have a mix of both, mm-hmm. where they had a child with someone that it was toxic and it wasn't healthy and they had to deal with a lot of the things that came with it. Right. Um, so I think that's the most important part of sharing your story because there's so many different aspects that even if somebody – it wasn't in the same boat as you or isn't in the same boat as you, they can relate to so many different parts of your story. Yeah. You know, and I just think I mean, that's that's wild. And I, I am glad though, like, you know, it, it's very important that you had the support that you had because having a child that young is never easy. I mean, I feel like even having, if I had a child now and I'm 26, it still wouldn't be easy. So I, I can only imagine and, and balancing that in school and coming out yeah. where you are now, like kudos to you. That's amazing. Seriously, yeah. you should be proud of yourself. You. Of course. Yeah, I, I really like my plan was always to go to college after high school. I mean, I was on track to get a graduate with an honors degree and I, you know, was really prepared for all that. I wanted to be in like finances, accounting. Mm-hmm. And then I graduated high school and dealing with um, my son and his father and everything that was going on and then with everything happening with the trial and stuff right when I graduated I was like I'm going to take some time off but then I took more time off and more I ended up getting my insurance license and then ended up taking a different route and I never had to go to college but it was just it definitely set me on a different track than I thought I was going to be on my entire life leading up to that point and there are a lot of things I wish I could have experienced, but then I'm like, I got to have all these experiences that a lot of people don't get to have. Right. And I think too, it kind of pushes you to grow up a little bit faster. Oh, for sure. Which isn't the worst thing, it's, you know? Yeah. it's It definitely prepared me for a lot that I didn't know I was going to have to be prepared for. Um, being the oldest sibling in my house also... Um, made me grow up a little bit faster. So that's another reason why I think when I found out I was pregnant, I was like, I can do this right. because I mean, I've helped raise all of my siblings. Mm-hmm. And um, I mean, my little sister who's five months younger than my son now, like they're best friends. They're in the same right. grade. Like mm-hmm. they're, it's super strange. Um, they go around he's like, this is my aunt. That is funny. <laughs> it's super funny. But I mean, they're best friends, like the best of friends and mm-hmm. they wouldn't get to have that. And so, yeah, there are definitely a lot of good things that came from it. Yeah. And I just really try to not dwell on the, the things that could have been. Right. And I try to focus on the things that are. And that is really what gets me through it. No, absolutely. And like I said, I, I really think you did such an incredible job. And I'm so glad that you wanted to come on and share your story. Seriously, thank you so much. I appreciate it. And like I said, you should be proud of yourself because that's a lot to go through. And then it's good. I think the best thing is being able to come out of something and be like, well, I'm happy where I am now. And it all worked out. Mm -hmm. And, you know, everything happens for a reason. And sometimes it can seem like it's one thing after another after another. But there are so many positives to your story. And not only for yourself, 
But now you're on a platform where your voice and your story is going to help other people not feel so alone. And that's a whole other form of positivity from it. Yeah, that's really what I wanted. Yeah, of course. And it'll definitely do that. Like I said, you did amazing. So thank thank you you so much.